everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So the K-drama that I have chosen to chat about with you guys today is Mr. Queen. And if you couldn't tell from that little opening section of the show, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, I, I fucking loved it. I thought it was amazing. I was just like glued to my screen the whole time. I found it so addictive. I feel like it really, really hit a lot of my kind of personal taste buttons, just like the historical elements and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, with this very new fun twist. So I feel like I'm a big fan of this show. I really, really loved it. But I did have some, I don't want to say quibbles. Like it's kind of weird the way I feel about Mr. Queen. Like I loved it so much that I kind of just think it's perfect because I just had this perfectly amazing time while watching it and all my feelings around it are so positive but at the same time I like (laughs) heavily disagreed with how it ended but not in a way that ruined my experience of the show by any means like not even a little bit so it's kind of a weird one for me because normally if I, I feel so strongly about you know, not really agreeing with an ending, I feel like that might kind of infect the whole general feeling that I have around a show, like make me kind of like it a little bit less. But for whatever reason, that did not happen with this one. I just, I feel so good about it. I loved it. Uh, It was wonderful. (laughs) So yeah, I'm pretty enthusiastic about this one. It was a very cool show. I think watching this one and kind of just being addicted and reaching for the next episode, like I just binged it. I gobbled it up. It was so good. It really was one of those, you know, sometimes you watch a K-drama because you're like, yeah, you know, this one's here and I'm waiting for the other one or, you know, waiting for my one that's currently airing for the new episodes to come out or whatever. And you just watch shows because, you know, they're just there. And this kind of reminded me of K-drama at its best and how I feel about it when it's at its best, which is it's all consuming. Like, <laughs> you know, when I wasn't watching this show, I was thinking about this show. Um, so I really loved it. I found it just so much fun, I guess, really, really fun without sort of losing the elements of sagok or like historical dramas that I really enjoy, which is, you know, the very high stakes and the the very present kind of threat of danger and risk. And, you know, for whatever reason, I really like all the political stuff in historicals. I really enjoy all that kind of, you know, manipulation and kind of betrayals and whatever. So I feel like it had all the elements that I love, but, you know, throw in a bloody <laughs> body swap and time travel as well to shake things up. All right, so I'm getting off track already, which is just great. Um, 
So the show I'm talking about is Mr. Queen. So Mr. Queen is a 20 episode. Um, I would say definitely like comedy. It, it leans into the comedy very hard for most of the entire show. Um, in saying that, it certainly has a lot of serious elements and emotional elements and, you know, sweeping sort of historical kind of stuff going on. So it's certainly got a lot of things happening. But I think because of, you know, the kind of fantasy element, which is the body swap and the time travel and then just the absolute hysterical hilarity that comes from that sort of framing device for this story. Uh, so definitely, I want to say comedy. Uh, so 20 episodes, like I said, it came out at the very end of 2020 in December. So its runtime ran through to February 2021, which is when it finished airing. So this drama is interesting for me. Um, I felt like at the end of 2020, I kind of looked back on all the dramas I'd watched that year and felt like I, I kind of realized like no historicals practically like Joseon said historicals um had really come out in Korea that year I think there was only one and I can't even remember what that was now um which I'd watched and obviously I'd watch other historicals because I love watching historicals so I kind of delved into you know the backlist of shows that I still haven't seen yet from years earlier than that but I remember being so kind of disappointed that there wasn't more historicals coming out in 2020 and then at the very end of 2020 in December you know we suddenly started getting all the shows getting announced for 2021 and so many were going to be historicals and I was so excited and the first two that came out kind of off the bat in December was this drama Mr. Queen and also another drama which stars the actor L called Secret Inspector and I'm not sure if that's all it's called it might be Secret, secret inspector, secret royal inspector. Anyway, um, so for whatever reason, I like out of those two dramas that were basically coming out around the same time, I was not that interested in this one. And I don't know why, because I really, really love uh, the female lead, the actress who plays the main character in this drama. So that's the actress Shin Hye Son. Um, I think she's fantastic. I've seen quite a lot of her dramas and really, really like really like her. So I don't know why I wasn't particularly drawn to this one, except that I think the whole secret royal inspector element in the other drama was very intriguing to my my love of <laughs> Joseon historical kind of, I don't know, just even just history, I suppose. So I was very fascinated by that element. And I did pick up that show, Secret Royal Inspector, and I didn't really connect with it, sadly, and I just wasn't that excited about it. Um, so I ended up dropping it, which I felt really sad about because I was so looking forward to it. But I remember, you know, all around Dramaland, everyone was talking about Mr. Queen, how great it was and how wonderful it was. And it was just sort of in my face everywhere I turned. Um, so that's when I was like, OK, definitely, definitely going to try out this show. Um, and I've mentioned on the podcast uh, quite a few times in the past that I do like a little K-drama club with my friend Lizzie and we watch, you know, we watch a drama or like half a drama every month and then we have a chat about it, which is really, really fun. We met through the podcast because before I had this podcast, I had no K-drama friends and now I have many, which is amazing uh, to be able to talk about this stuff with real people. Um, so Lizzie and I picked Mr. Queen as our k-drama club watch and we watched this one together so um hello lizzie if you're listening um and yeah we both loved it and i just think it's such a fucking cool show i loved it so much so that's kind of why i watched it and i suppose my relationship with the drama um in the lead up to watching it so i'll just talk a little bit about the casting before i get into the kind of plot setup of the show 
So it's really funny, like when I'm looking at the cast list, they don't even mention it. But there is like kind of a cameo in the drama played by the actor uh, Choi Jin Hyuk. Um, and he like really his character is the main character, but because of the body swap element, he, the actor is only really a cameo. So the actor Choi Jin Hyuk, he plays a character called Bong Hwan, who's a dude from the future who then goes into the past. And then that's when that same character gets taken over by the female lead. So the main actress in the drama, which is uh, Shin Hye Son. So to me, Shin Hye Son literally carries this entire show she is the reason to watch it she is fucking incredible like I don't know if she doesn't win like every kind of <laughs> actress award or act whatever actor award that exists um like she's so good in this um and you know I don't think I've really seen her in a comedy you know before so I she's just great I loved her in this and her whole performance is yeah, for me, the reason to watch the show, and you're right, she was riveting. I couldn't take my eyes off her. So that's Shin Hye Son. And she, you know, she obviously plays this, oh, well, she's kind of two characters because originally she's just a very high up noble woman in Joseon career from a very like illustrious kind of family clan background with, you know, a lot of political connections, basically the most politically powerful clan of her time. Um, but she's just a young woman who is has to enter the palace because she's kind of engaged to marry the king. And then suddenly a dude from the future turns up as a soul and is inside her as so it pops into her, which is all very crazy and obviously leads to mad hijinks. So the male lead in this drama is played by the actor. I've actually written the, um, the names down in Hangul this time, so I'm trying to pronounce them correctly. Kim Jong-hyun. There we go. Kim Jong-hyun. So he plays the king, the king Choljong, who is, of course, a real dude from history. And obviously I'll talk about that later because I can't help myself. <laughs> so King uh, Choljong is, you know, when the drama starts, he's a puppet king. That's absolutely what he is. He's been put in place by this very political Kim family clan um, who are really running Joseon and are extremely corrupt. And King Choljong has been put in place and has no power and is therefore, you know, at the start of the drama, kind of putting on an act. Um, I really liked this character. I really, oh, when I started watching this show, I had no idea how it was going to work. I was like, how is there even a female lead and a male lead with this setup? Like, how is there going to be a romance? What's going to happen? I don't understand. And the drama just kind of swept me off my feet and I loved it. And I really liked King Choljong, um, even though I think he certainly doesn't come off in the best light at the very start of the drama. But again, you know, he's got a lot of deeper things going on that you don't really see. So the actor Kim Jong-hyun I have seen in quite a lot of dramas like I can never kind of think what it is but his face like I feel like I just see him all the time in everything um obviously he is the second male lead in Crash Landing on You and basically I remember him walking around wearing a lot of like mad pink sweatery turtlenecks in that one and me liking him a lot <laughs> he was great and I forgot to say so the female lead the actress uh Shin Hye Son uh so she was in Angel Last Mission Love I think it was called with Elle so she plays a very like cold sort of ballerina character and she was also in another really great drama which I've forgotten what it's called something like 
I don't know, 17 going on 30 or suddenly 30. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but she was really good in that too. So I really like her. So there are a lot of other faces in this drama. Like it is a huge cast. There are, you know, ministers, um, politically scheming ministers in every direction. There's quite an extended royal family. So there's two other queens, um, you know, that are older who are both great, particularly the Dowager Queen, who's, you know, the the elder in the palace. Um, she is, I thought she was amazing. Like she's scheming and scary and evil. Um, so she's played by the uh, an actress called Bae Jong-ok, uh, who's someone I don't know. I don't know that I've seen her face before, but yeah, I just thought she was wonderful and really good fun. Um, and so the other, I guess, uh, maybe like casting, I suppose, that I want to mention before I get started is the second male lead is played by an actor called Nainu. So Nainu is, he was new to me. This is the first time I'd seen him. Um, and I fucking loved this character and fucking loved the actor. I really, really like him in this so much. Um, but I do think his character, which is like, oh my gosh, unrequited love, tragic, like, it suits me to a T. Like it's, it's just got those ingredients in it that make me like <laughs> sit up and pay attention. And also the actor Nainu is extremely handsome. So that helps as well <laughs> because I'm a shallow, shallow woman, apparently. Um, anyway, I loved him, loved his face, loved everything about him and loved his character and feel like I have things to say. Um, interestingly, the actor Nainu, as I was watching this drama, he got cast as a replacement yeah, because of, you know, mad scandals in the drama River Where the Moon Rises. And I really like him. So I was happy to see that he was the face that was going to pop up in that drama because I was watching it um, live and um, I love him in that too. I just, I think I, I love him. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see what he does and where he goes. And it's kind of weird and this is very off topic, um, but when I first started watching drama, like one of my ultimate favorites, which I've talked about on this podcast at length, is Tamara the Island. For whatever reason, it's a favorite. Um, I did a guest gab episode with a special guest G on that recently. But the lead actor in that drama is um, Im Ju Hwan. And the character that he plays is forever one of my favorite characters. But I think one of the reasons I like this new actor, Nainu, so much is because he really kind of reminds me of Im Ju Hwan. I think he has that same kind of feel to him. And for whatever reason, Im Ju Hwan hasn't really got all the lead roles that I would have liked to see him get. Um, so it's nice to kind of see someone else who I hope will, you know, be up and coming and get heaps of lead roles and someone who I feel has sort of similar vibes and obviously is just, you know, very handsome and someone that I like. So there you go, a random side adventure for your ears <laughs> to listen to. That has nothing to do with this. Um, so... The other person I'll mention who's in this drama is an actress called Sol Ina. So Sol Ina is, I've seen her in one thing. I started watching a drama, I can't remember, it was called something like Wonderful Life, Beautiful Love or something like that, but I didn't keep going with the drama. But she was a real standout for me. I really, really liked this actress a lot. So I was really pleased to see her pop up in this drama. She plays the second female lead and I think quite an interesting character, like, you know, almost villainous at times or maybe take away the word almost kind of a bit villainous at times. I liked her. And also she is beautiful. And I have to say this drama looks 
gorgeous. It looks so beautiful. It's set, you know, in the Joseon court and everyone, the clothes, like particularly that the royal family, the women are wearing. So, you know, Sorina's character, uh, who is, um, they've got a name, Jo Hwajin, but I think, um, so she's concubine Bin, Hui Bin. Um, I, she just looks beautiful. Like, you know, the hair and all the hairpins and the clothes and the royal outfits and like, wow, like this looks gorgeous. So I really, really enjoyed, particularly, I think seeing all the royal women and all their different outfits and their sleeping outfits and their, you know, hunting outfits and everything. It was just really cool. And that's the same for, you know, um, Shin Hyeson's character as well, like the queen, the main queen character. Um, yeah, just so beautiful to look at these women and so gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I've really, really loved it. Uh, so I think that's all I'll mention for the casting, even though, you know, there's so many familiar faces in this and so many, I think, really noticeable kind of standout performances that I thought were really, really fantastic. Um, but now I'm going to get into kind of the plot setup and then we'll go from there. So let's see if I can <laughs> explain what this show is. Uh, so the show really opens in the modern day, which I think kind of surprised me when I watched it because I didn't really realize. I mean, I knew kind of what it was, but uh, I, I think I hadn't really like fully looked into all the um, Che Jin Hyuk's kind of stuff with who the character was in the future. So the actor Che Jin Hyuk uh, has kind of a cameo role, but he is the main character of the whole drama. He plays this modern day chef called Jung Bong Hwan. So Bong Hwan is a, you know, very kind of high end chef at the Blue House. And the Blue House is Korea's version of the American White House. So it's, you know, whatever, parliament, government, that kind of stuff, where the president hangs out and does, you know, president stuff, presumably. <laughs> so, you know, he's like this super top end, very hoity-toity kind of chef. And we kind of get the impression that he's a bit of a womanizer. You know, he's a bit swaggery and he's a bit cool. He's a bit handsome. He's a bit great, but he's also a little bit like out for himself. Like he's going to do what's best for himself, but he kind of gets embroiled in some plot and Weirdly, like I did watch this stuff, <laughs> but I cannot for the life of me kind of remember. And I think it's because, um, you know, once the drama moves to Joseon, the kind of plot from the future just, it, you know, it has no kind of impact on the plot anymore pretty much. So I just kind of forgot about it because I think in comparison with all the Joseon stuff, which is so like big and loud and shiny and it's so easy for me to kind of sink into that stuff and remember it. I think just this like five minutes at the start of the drama, I just like immediately forgot about. But not to say it wasn't fun because it is. <laughs> so Bong Hwan, I don't know, he gets embroiled in some mad plot and there's some sort of manager dude who's, I think he's like siphoning money or doing something and Bong Hwan must like come across it or some shit. I don't even know. And then he's like making out with someone in like, I don't know, a kitchen and there's a, vi a camera. So you can see I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> and then through some sort of thing, he loses his job and gets involved in a scandal. And then he like falls off a balcony or some shit. I don't know. And he falls into a pool and then he kind of drowns in the pool for a while. And then this absolutely beautiful kind of, uh, you know, Joseon noble woman, I think she's wearing like her white sort of sleeping clothes sort of swims up to him and gives him a, like a big smackaroonie kiss. And then he wakes up. <laughs> 
in her body in Joseon. So, of course, this woman who gives him the kiss under the water is, so this is the actress, the female lead, um, sorry, the, the main actress of the drama. So, Shin Hye Son, and she plays a character called So Young. And this is where I think me trying to talk about this drama is going to get very confusing. So, the body is So Young. She is the noble woman from the Joseon dynasty from, I think, mid-1800s is when this drama is set. Um, so So Young is kind of the body of the main character, but our main character is Bong Hwan from the future. So this is the chef from the future, Bong Hwan, wakes up in the noble woman So Young's body. So I guess I'm going to refer to this character as Bong Hwan, because that is who this person is. Bong Hwan might now be living in the body of a woman, but he is Bong Hwan. So that's what I'm, I'm going to say, if that makes any sense. So um, Bong Hwan wakes up and is obviously extremely shocked and confused to find himself not only in the Joseon dynasty with lots of people fawning all over him, but also in the body of a woman. As you can imagine, this leads to all sorts of very funny and very silly hijinks um, because I guess Bong Hwan isn't, you know, he's a real womanizer. He's a real sort of manly man's man. And this is all like quite a bit of a shock to him. So I really like the way the drama, I guess, kept, uh, you know, Bong Hwan's sort of male voice as the internal inner voice for this new character or, you know, it's still Bong Hwan, but now he's in the body of So Young. So I really liked that element because, you know, we don't spend a lot of time with Bong Hwan, I think, in, you know, his natural state in the future as a chef. So we don't like super, super get to know him before he's in someone else's body. And I think the drama did a really good job of never letting you forget that, you know, he was in there. This is him piloting this body. This is his thoughts and his actions and his reactions to the world. And I feel like I really got to know Bong Hwan as a character, even though we can't see like, you know, his face, we're seeing So Young's face. So I really liked that. I liked that the drama, I guess, just did that in a monologue with his voice. I thought that worked really well. And it's quite funny too, to see, you know, I guess Bong Hwan's sort of manly voice talking, but see So Young's kind of face doing all the right kind of very hilarious expressions and, you know, I guess movements and everything. Like the actress Shin Hye Son does such a good job. Like it's such a, I think, a physical performance, the way that she moves and sits and there was some that just really got to me, like when um, Bong Hwan is sort of really realizing this is real, like this is actually happening, like he is really there. And it's very hard for him to sort of, you know, I feel like in time travel, there's always that element of no, like it's a, it's a movie set, like I'm not really here, but like he's in a woman's body, like it's weird, he can't deny it, it is what it is. So he kind of catches on and gets gets onto what's going on pretty quickly because he like literally has no other choice. So I really enjoyed all this kind of um, point of the drama with him just sort of coming to terms with what's going on. But I really loved how freaked out he gets. And I really loved the actress Shin Hye Son's portrayal. Like, I feel like there was this one moment particularly at the very, very start. And it was like, you know, it's so small and nothing, but I just really liked it. And it it's kind of Bong Hwan in So Young's body and he's sitting, you know, with all his court maids and everyone around him. And the way that he's sitting, so like the actress is sitting, you know, her legs apart and her like elbows on her knees and her hands over her face. And she's just like jiggling. And it's just such a 
to me, it just looked like such a modern sort of manly kind of stressed out gesture, like the kind of thing that I feel like, you know, when you're watching a modern drama and you see a character who's having a total freak out, you might see them in that pose. And then it was so weird seeing, you know, a woman completely dressed up in Joseon Dynasty clothes, kind of in this very kind of different kind of masculine pose, having this freak out. Um, so I really liked, I think, the actress's attention to, I guess, that whole like physicality of a role like this. It's not just about, oh, it's funny that it's this dude and he's, you know, in this body, in this whole world, he doesn't know what's going on. It's just like head to toe, everything about this actress is just channeling Bong Hwan. It's so good and so much fun. And I think very like louder than life or larger than life, like very hysterical kind of performance. I really enjoyed it. And I have to say um, one element of it that I love so much was uh, the actress uh, Shin Hye Son's facial expressions. Like there's just this swagger to the way that she moves and the quirks of her eyebrows and her little kind of like, you know, half smile, like smug sort of, you know, I don't know. It's so good. And I have to say that there is nothing funnier than seeing, you know, Bong Hwan, once he's sort of accepting, like, this is happening. This is where he's living right now. Like, yeah, he's going to try his best to get the fuck out of Joseon and go home. But, you know, right now this is where he is. And there's nothing funnier than seeing Bong Hwan dressed up in this beautiful queen's body, like just immaculate, like not a hair out of place, like beautiful clothes and hairstyle and hairpins, so lavish. And see him like getting carried around in his little, you know, palaquin and he's he gets out and he goes off and he sees um, the second female lead who's you know, a concubine. So it's kind of a second lower wife for the king. Uh, so this is the one played by the actress Sorina. Uh, and in the drama, I think her name's uh, Hui Bin, which I think Hui is just like concubine or Bin is. I don't actually know. Maybe Bin is. Um, anyway, I'll just call her Hui Bin. Uh, so you know, Bong Hwan, dressed as the queen, kind of takes note of this, this concubine who he thinks is like you know, hot shit because she is, she's gorgeous. She looks amazing. And he comes up to her and is just like flirting hardcore with this woman. And it was so funny to me because obviously he, Bong Hwan doesn't know the history between, you know, the body that he's in, this woman, and also this concubine. And it turns out, of course, that these women fucking hate each other. They have all this sort of mysterious secret trauma in their past. They're both vying for the affections of the same man. And the concubine, who at this point is a very nice, sweet girl, Huibin, is quite afraid of the queen and thinks that the queen is out to get her and is going to try and, you know, do something maybe scary to her. So, you know, that like, you know, there's the accusations of trying to kill each other and stuff. And of course, none of this is interesting to Bong Hwan. He's just like, whoa, who is this like very hot woman? And he's just hitting on her in the queen's body. And of course, Huibin is like, what the fuck is going on? So it's just so funny to me to see Bong Hwan, you know, like, I guess turning up into a life that's been lived in that has connections and relationships and history and obviously all the etiquette that surrounds women, you know, particularly in the royal court in Joseon Dynasty and just sort of him turning up, accepting like, all right, here I am. I'm in this body. This is how I'm going to live. And then just 
crashing around someone else's life and just, I don't know, always managing to sort of make it work. Like, and I loved it. I love seeing him succeed at stuff. You know, it was so much fun, but I kind of like that. He just sort of does his own thing for pretty much the whole drama, but particularly at the start, like he really doesn't care if he's not doing it right. He doesn't care if he's, you know, everyone's just freaking out around him all the time because he's so erratic. Like the stuff he does is insane because pretty much Bong Hwan, you know, he finds out that before he woke up in this body, So Young, the real queen, had sort of, nearly, kind of, actually, as far as I understood, drowned in this lake within the palace grounds. And no one knows why or what happened, but they saw a woman running away from that spot at the time. They fished her out. She was dead, but then she came back. And when she woke up, she's fucking weird because, you know, Bong Hwan is now piloting her body, I guess. So I really liked this element of the show because the whole show is so like, oh, it's funny and far out and crazy. But Bong Hwan kind of starts thinking, oh, well, if it's the lake, the lake is the reason, you know, that's the channel. He was under the water in his own world and he kissed this woman and he's traveled through time. He needs to, I don't know, jump in the lake and drown himself. But of course, there's this element. And this is the thing that I quite liked is it kind of, I think, introduced something a bit deeper and darker to this very, very funny, silly kind of hysterical circumstances. And that was this hint that we start to get of why the queen, So Young, the woman, why was she in the lake? Why did she drown in the first place? Because at this point of the drama anyway, my understanding was that the real woman that Bong Hwan has taken over the body of she's dead. Like she drowned. She's gone. That's what I thought at this point of the drama. And to be honest, literally what I thought up until <laughs> the last episode of the whole show. But I'll talk about that later. Um, so I liked that because it adds some stakes. And then Bong Hwan starts to think about this and he's like, did someone murder this woman that I'm now living in the body of? Like, does someone have it out for this body? Like, does that mean I'm in danger? Is someone trying to kill me? And then eventually, after quite a while, he comes to the realization that the real queen, So Young, threw herself in and tried to kill herself. And I found it really interesting to kind of introduce such a dark undercurrent element to kind of such a shiny, fun, happy story. And I, I really liked it. I really like it because it ups the stakes. It means that Bong Hwan, you know, I guess it means that there's emotion there. This, this woman whose body he's piloting, like she was a real woman and she had real emotions and she's potentially done something very scary and sad. And that's interesting. You know, I think it really fleshes out the world. And it really just gives you this emotional thread towards this woman. You feel so sad. Like, not only has she thrown herself in the lake and died, but because Bong Hwan is now running around in her body, no one even knows. Like, it's just a whisper and she's gone. And that was my impression at that time until the end of the drama. But uh, I really liked it. I thought that was really, really interesting. 
So meanwhile, Bang Huan in, you know, the queen's body is wants to go throw himself in the lake. So he goes and tries to do that, but it turns out the lake has been drained of water because obviously the queen nearly drowned in it. And so Bong Kwan is like very, very upset about this. He crawls out covered in mud and has his first meeting with the king. So at this point, they're not actually married um, at this point of the drama. And I was so interested with like their romance because when they meet, you know, it's Bong Kwan, like this just this manly dude inside a woman's body who's just like so uninterested in this king and then on top of that when we get introduced so this is the male lead played by the actor Kim Jong-hyun uh I've just written that down in Korean Kim (laughs) Jong-hyun I tried my best uh so he plays King Chol Jong and when we get introduced to King Chol Jong, he's like, I don't know, he's reading like a porn magazine and he's just like a general douchey douche. But also, you know, when he's soon to be queen, who we figure out pretty quickly, he fucking hates this woman. It's so awful. He's just like, well, she's from basically his biggest political rival, this this clan that has all the power in Joseon. And, you know, this clan that he bitterly hates this king because that clan put him on the throne literally for one reason and that was so King Choljong could be their little puppet and King Choljong is very very aware that he does not have power and this Kim family clan does and his soon-to-be queen Bonghuan, little does he know, is from this political clan that the king hates so obviously by extension he also hates the queen, so Bong Huan. Bong Huan doesn't give a shit about any of that. He sort of storms in, covered in mud, is just really weird and erratic at the king. And you can imagine the kind of women the king would be used to at this point, which is, you know, the way that, you know, with the etiquette of just Joseon in general because of Neo-Confucianism, but also particularly like the royal court kind of etiquette. It's so... It's just so intense. Like you can't kind of go against these things. And of course, Bong Huan doesn't know them or care about them. So he is crazy. And the king is absolutely shocked. But also every time he's sort of yelling at Bong Huan not to do it, Bong Huan again just doesn't care and digs his heels in. And eventually, what's very funny is over a lot of interactions between these characters, Chol Jong just begins to get used to the queen's like crazy behavior. And obviously... I feel like it comes as this um, kind of a breath of fresh air to him, to have someone talking back at him, to have someone looking at him and acting as his equal instead of always as an inferior. And I think that really obviously makes a deep impression of him on him. We also find out with Chol Jong that he is not as idiotic as he appears. I remember watching the first episode of this and I was like, one, how are they going to do romance in this show? I just don't understand it. Second, the, the male lead is so unlikable, this little porn magazine dude. But then you realize, of course, that, you know, Chol Jong is very aware that he has no power But slowly behind the scenes, he is trying to amass the power that he needs to kind of, I guess, take the throne over publicly to show his strength, to be the king that he wants to be, which is a king with real power to instigate real change. Because at this point in the Joseon dynasty, you know, 
realistically, it's on the decline. Um, there's so much corruption in the government. And I think for kind of like the last 200 years of the Joseon dynasty, it was other than I think two kings that did a very good job. It was really just kind of run by these political clans. Kings either didn't care or were corrupt as well, or, you know, just didn't have the power to kind of do much. And, um, yeah, it wasn't going that well. And that's, you know, real life, I guess, Joseon. So Choljong is kind of in the middle of that. And he really wants to do a better job <laughs> than what he's doing. But also, meanwhile, he's surrounded by servants and eunuchs who are basically just in the employ of Choljong's biggest enemy, the Kim clan. So he's pretending to be a huge doofus so that the Kim clan never catches on that Choljong is actually for real a threat to their power. So I really liked this. I like this reveal because I kind of just, I don't know why, like um, when they introduced Choljong as this kind of doofus, I was like, all right, he's a doofus. I don't really like him. And I don't know why, but I was so surprised when these like layers began to get peeled back and you realize that He's doing everything on purpose, like he's putting on an act, he's being an idiot on purpose, and there's so much more going on beneath the surface, and it's so interesting. And I should have known, because, you know, I've watched a lot of K-dramas. <laughs> I don't know why I was like, oh, they're presenting him this way, so he must be this way. Like, you think I would fucking know better than that by now. Um, everything's always a slow reveal with K-dramas, which is, of course, one of my favorite things about them. So anyway, I loved it. I loved that kind of progression of his character. And I loved the part in the jump, there's a jumping ahead when he, you know, he puts on this big sort of, I think, I was it like, um, big kind of celebration day or whatever it was. And he kind of shows his strength. And it was so cool. I was like really rooting for this guy. I really wanted him to do well. Um, so anyway, so Bong Hwan in, you know, the queen So Young's body, uh, just kind of has all these mad interactions with Chol Jong. They're kind of on opposite sides, but eventually, you know, obviously they begin to understand each other. And Bong Hwan is basically his biggest mission at the start of the drama is to refill this lake with water so he can go drown himself in it. <laughs> but to do that, he has to get the Queen Dowager on his side. So there's two older queens and the Queen Dowager is the absolute head of the kind of you know, the inner palace, but of the government too, really, because she's part of this powerful Kim clan, uh, which is a real clan, um, political clan um, of, you know, Joseon times and presumably now, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I really liked all this. I loved seeing Bong Hwan kind of trying to figure out how to charm this woman and what to do to get this woman on side. And it was just really interesting seeing like a modern dude kind of thrust back into and kind of doing, I think, what that queen would have had to do, which is, you know, defer to her elders and get them on side and all these kind of like inner court political things that Bong Hwan has to navigate, which is all the same stuff the queen would have had to do. But Bong Hwan is doing everything differently because he is an insane modern man who doesn't know you know all the court etiquette and stuff and it's all I've really enjoyed all this stuff like him working so hard and he kind of figures out that you know he's a chef from modern days he's amazing in the kitchen so he starts sort of ingratiating himself in the kitchen and the chef there just really hates him and I loved their kind of bickering relationship it was fantastic um and you know he starts cooking all this amazing food for the queen dowager to get her on side and 
And I guess it kind of goes, I don't know how much more I should say, like the, the drama kind of keeps going. There's, you know, I guess as Bonghwan and the king get closer, it sort of pushes out the concubine Huibin, who is in love with the king, and the king used to be in love with her. And she begins to, you know, her alliances, I guess, shift to um, one of the other elder queens because the two elder queens are at each other's throats, which I loved as well. Um, so I really enjoyed all the political stuff in this drama. And I, for me, I found it really interesting just because I think, yeah, there was a lot of old ministers running around, you know, yelling and doing all that kind of old minister stuff that we get a lot in dramas. But I felt like all our main characters were so wrapped up in it, you know, on different sides. And I love seeing Bonghwan being part of this powerful Kim clan and then sort of pulling away from it because they end up at odds and they begin to turn their back on her and it's a very on him on Bonghwan it's a very scary situation and I love seeing Choljong kind of hating the queen and being against the queen because she's a Kim and then eventually you know they kind of form their own alliance and then eventually he falls in love with her uh with him with Bonghwan <laughs> goodness it's very confusing um so yeah I really liked all that stuff I thought it was just really good and I was really rooting for the king to kind of win against his enemies but I felt like um Bonghuan and the queen you know in the queen's body was so centrally located to all this like palace political intrigue it was so like I think it impacted that character so much and I was so on board with that character that yeah, I found all that stuff really, really exciting and fun. Um, so I don't really like, that's probably all I'll say about the setup. I think that's the setup and the drama just, you know, it just goes on and then it finishes <laughs> as dramas tend to do. So what I'm going to do now is just talk about the stuff I loved, um, because I think I'll probably end up explaining more about, you know, the actual drama itself by doing that as well. Alright, so the stuff that I absolutely fucking love about Mr. Queen. Um, so I just want to, like I've already said, it looks great. It looks beautiful. Um, costumes I loved, but I think the whole thing is just filmed. It looks very crisp and good and I liked all the royal palace settings and when they kind of venture out of that, it's great as well. So I thought the drama looks really slick and really nice and just really crisp. Um, I loved the music in this. Um, there's kind of a mix of this very funny kind of comedy song, which is obviously, you know, being made for the drama specifically. And every time the lyrics for that um, would obviously pop up on my screen as subtitles, um, it made me giggle because it was always when, um, you know, Bong Hwan in the Queen's body is kind of in this terrible situation, like a, something ridiculous is happening to this poor man. Like, for instance, his body gets, <laughs> so hard to even say, his body gets a period and he's just like, what the fuck is even happening? Like, can you even imagine what that would be like for him? <laughs> too funny for me that made me laugh so much and I, I kind of like I wish the drama had lingered on it because it was so funny but also I was kind of surprised they went there at all and I loved them for it it just was fucking hilarious anyway so the song that plays whenever these kind of funny things happen is this mad I don't know what it is it's like a modern jingly jangly kind of song but the lyrics are hilarious and it's all things like you know Bonghuan, what are you doing here? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, you don't belong in the Joseon dynasty. 
<laughs> so every time that song came on and I saw the lyrics, um, I really liked it. It was a very funny sort of added layer to the already existing hilarious comedy of, you know, just the body swap stuff. Um, but on the flip side of that with the music, there's this theme, in, you know, like this kind of instrumental theme that the drama used a lot, particularly at the, you know, the very end sort of cliffhanger moment of a drama when usually someone's holding a sword and advancing very slowly on one of our main characters or, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't know how to even describe this theme, but I loved it. It's so like moody and dark and just like you could tell that there's something dangerous and terrifying happening on the screen. Uh, so it's kind of like almost sireny sort of, oh, it's not the way to, I don't even know how to describe it, but I loved it. It was just like, as soon as I heard that theme, it was like the stakes just went skyrocketing up and it's just so atmospherically dark and dangerous. So I was so into that. Um, I really, I just kind of enjoyed that flip, I think, in this drama between you know, it being very silly sometimes, very funny and very hijinky, but then flipping and slipping into this deep, dark, kind of very dangerous, scary world where the stakes are very real and people can die at any moment and really dark, frightening things can happen. And I I think it must just be, I mean, I've said this so many times on the podcast, but I think it's consistently one of my favorite things about K-dramas and the way that K-dramas tell stories is that, you know, the story isn't just dark or it isn't just light. And you can have these elements of both in, you know, a long form drama. And I love it so much because I love all the romantic hijinks in K-dramas. I love them. But then I love that there's actual stakes as well and there's danger. Um, so anyway, I've said that on the podcast so many times, but it's a very cool element of K-dramas. And for me and my particular taste, it's very particularly an element of saguks that I adore. So like historical K-dramas that I adore that you can still have, you know, the romantic hijinks in a big sweeping dark historical story so cool oh my gosh uh so that was off topic <laughs> but i did really like the music um and the way that this drama looked um so pretty much the first major thing on my list of stuff that i absolutely loved is the performance of the lead actress shin Hyeson. um gold fucking gold she's amazing like I've actually written here, holy shit, exclamation mark in my notes, but she's incredible. Oh my gosh. I loved her. I just loved looking at her, looking at her face, like all the stuff she did, like particularly all these like swaggery, like flirty expressions on her face. She's just extraordinary. I adored her. Uh, so the next thing on my list of stuff I loved was all the side characters. So I didn't talk about them much, like in the setup or the casting, but there is a lot of people I think that matter in this drama that you become very fond about, but also because I think I really enjoyed seeing Bong Hwan forge relationships with the people around him in Joseon. And I love that the show didn't only focus on, you know, the antagonistic stuff or only the romance. Bong Hwan makes friends like for reals and I loved it so this of course is um uh, I think it's what it caught made uh chair I don't know 
yeah, he's, he's like court lady basically. So he's been assigned a court lady to look after him and she's, you know, a long suffering woman who has to deal with Bong Hwan of all people who, you know, is acting insane consistently. So I loved her. She was amazing. So his court lady was amazing. And he also has a personal mate and she's just sweet and lovely. And I enjoyed seeing Bong Hwan's you know, this slowly forming bond with these two women was just a pure joy to watch. And those characters were, you know, they had their own little hilarious side stories or their own moments of comedy throughout. But I think, I think I really felt a lot about the relationship, just the friendship between, you know, Bong Hwan and these two women was really kind of beautiful in the end it really moved my heart and there's a very scary moment at the end where I thought um caught the court lady um had you know cocked it because there was a sword and it slashed near her but she didn't and I was very very relieved so that goes to show how much these kind of smaller side characters ended up meaning to me as a viewer of this show and that also includes I think Bong Hwan's kind of friend slash frenemy enemy <laughs> who's you know the royal chef in the royal kitchens and I loved this you know they've got a real bickery sort of antagonistic thing but it's so funny but it's also so charming because realistically, what we're seeing is Bong Hwan finding a place to live. You know, there's this point in the drama where he kind of realizes after, you know, jumping in the lake and trying to drown himself and not going back to the future, that this might be his life. This might be where he's going to spend literally the rest of his days married to a chosen king. And poor Bong Hwan also, he knows just enough about history to know that he's not married to the best, most successful king in history either, which is, you know, a little bit scary for him. And I think one of the reasons that he does kind of resist joining hands with the king so long and he resists, it's all very confusing and I'll talk about this at the end, but I think that he resists falling in love with the king for so long is because he kind of, he knows where that story ends for that king. And it's, you know, it's not that great um, in history, but of course in the drama, it's all twisted and it's much nicer for everybody involved. Um, so yeah, I really, I just loved Bong Hwan's relationships and I loved that the drama took the time to, to form those relationships. Um, I also really liked, I didn't write this in my notes, but, um, it just kind of occurred to me now that I really, really liked. So I mentioned before that I enjoyed the fact that Bong Hwan's voice was the inner monologue for the first half of the drama. So every time we hear the queen's inner thoughts or Bong Hwan's inner thoughts, they're in his voice. Um, but there is a point where I can't remember what happens to the, like to him. I don't know. He gets into danger. He gets hurt. He's like nearly dead or whatever. Who knows? I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> But um, there's this point where Bong Hwan kind of slips back into the future and he kind of realizes that he's in hospital and he's kind of dying and he's in sort of a coma thing and he can't move or wake up. And then when he turns back up in the Joseon dynasty, so it's about halfway through the drama, I'd say everything is different. And I really liked this because I felt like it was this huge progression for for Bong Hwan as a character, I think, as well as it gave us a lot more insight into, you know, his queenly body, which is So Young, who at this point I still believed was dead. So Bong Hwan kind of turns back up in the Joseon dynasty 
And this is the shift, like this is the point where things begin to change. And I think the lines between, you know, the queen So Yong and Bong Hwan himself, his soul or whatever he is, I don't know, his brain, you know, body, um, begin to really shift and blur. And I really enjoyed this and the way the drama did it. So suddenly when Bong Hwan wakes up, when he hears his own inner thoughts, they're no longer in his manly future voice. They are in So Yong's voice. So he's hearing it's still his thoughts, though. They're still absolutely him. But there's just this line is blurred between him and this body that he's piloting. And on top of that, he has gained a lot of So Young's memories. So he can remember a lot of things about her past and also particularly her emotions around things. So one of the major kind of consequences of that is that So Young, the queen, was madly in love with the king. And so Bong Hwan suddenly has his body filled with kind of echoes of her love for the king. And it kind of infects him a lot, which is something that he is really trying to fight, but also kind of can't. And I think this is the point where it, it becomes really difficult for him kind of not to sink towards the king. So I found that really interesting. But the other thing I really liked about Bong Hwan kind of getting these echoes of memories uh, from So Young is that it helps him understand her more as well. And this is where we, we begin to realize this kind of deeper thing of how unhappy this woman was and how hard a time she was having and how she was losing herself to the palace. And, you know, Bong Hwan gains a lot of sympathy for her or empathy, I should say, for who she was. And she becomes, I think, in his mind, more of a real person. But also, I think, you know, Bong Hwan can't help but change a bit after that experience, I think, of having these other experiences and memories. Um, you know, I know everyone's different, but I strongly feel that, you know, a lot of who we are as human beings, we become the way that we are because of the things that we experience in our lives, because of the people that we interact with and the things that we are taught and the moments that we have. You know, I think you know, I feel that I am a sum of my experiences. That's who I am. And if I had grown up with different experiences, I would obviously be an extremely different person to who I am now. And I found it really interesting, the idea that, you know, Bong Hwan has his own experiences. He is his own man. He is who he is. But at that moment where his experiences and memories, or sorry, So Young's experiences and memories kind of meld into him a little bit, I feel like he can't help but shift. Like he can't be only who he was before if suddenly he has different feelings and emotions and memories. They might not be his, but they're there inside him. So how can he not be a changed man? And I found that like just a really interesting idea for kind of forced character growth and development. I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, so yeah, I really liked it. And I also felt, um, which I forgot to mention when I was talking about all the little side characters, I feel like Bong Hwan at this point in the story, his the empathy that he gains for So Yong kind of leads to this very interesting, for me, and kind of intriguing relationship between Bong Hwan and, you know, the dude that's his dad, which is this Minister Kim dude. Um, so this is So Young, the Queen's actual real dad. And 
this dad adores his daughter. Like he adores her and he's not always a good dad and he's not always a good guy. And he's part of this very corrupt um, Kim clan, obviously. I said Kim clam, but I meant Kim, Kim clan. He's not a clam. He's a human. <laughs> um, but I really liked the relationship that develops between Bong Hwan and this dude who's So Young's dad. And I found it really sweet and kind of moving. And because the dad just adores her or adores, you know, he doesn't realize it's Bong Hwan. But there's this point in the drama where Bong Hwan like really confronts the dad and Bong Hwan is so upset because this is the point, like he's really understood how unhappy and hurt and alone So Young felt before she jumped in the lake and tried to kill herself. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I can't remember. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's so upset by these emotions that are suddenly inside him that he really confronts So Young's dad and is kind of saying like, part of this is your fault. You sent her here. Like you did this. You didn't look after her. And, ah, oh, did, I really liked it. I just thought it was such a, like such a powerful sort of relationship, even though it's just such a little side thing in the drama, but I found it really moving and just really intriguing. Uh, so the next thing that I absolutely fucking adored about this drama was um, the character played by the actor Nayanu. So his character is, so this is a second male lead. The actor Nayanu plays a character called Kim Byung-in. So Byung-in is part of this Kim family, and, but he is the adopted son of kind of the biggest, baddest Kim of all the Kims. <laughs> so um He's grown up as, you know, as a cousin of the queen, Soyoung, and they've grown up. We don't kind of see it at the start. And I do love the way this kind of relationship, we kind of see it more in retrospect at first through his eyes, but eventually through hers as well, which I think is lovely because you realize that it's not quite as one sided as you kind of think when you're watching the show. Um, but Byung-in is, you know, they're cousins, but I, I feel like it's okay because he's, he's an adopted cousin, but um, I don't, I mean, he might still be, I'm sure he's still a Kim, so it's probably still not okay. But, you know, this was the olden days and everyone married their cousins. Did they? I don't think they did in Joseon, actually. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I know they did in other places in the world. Anyway, I'm just trying to um, explain away the slight incest levels of this. <laughs> you hear me like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, okay, let's get back to the point. <laughs> he was just so handsome that I just was blinded to the cousin thing. So there you go. You can see where my, my morals stop. That's terrible. <laughs> All right, no, I'm actually going to get on with this. Okay, so Byung-in was a really interesting character to me with a very, very handsome face. And I really, really liked him. Um, so we kind of meet him and he rushes back to the palace at the start, like the very start of the drama, because he hears that the queen has, you know, nearly drowned in a fucking lake and he's freaking out. He's really upset. And we kind of see this flashback that we realize that Byung-in has kind of grown up in and around the same households as So-young. And because they're cousins, they're allowed to spend time together and they've kind of grown up together. And he is completely in love with her and clearly has been for a very long time. She obviously loves him very much. We kind of find out as the drama goes along. 
Um, Soyeon obviously loves him, but I don't, I wasn't sure at the start. It took me a long time to kind of come to a realization that I think she loves him as a brother, not as, you know, a love interest. It's not romantic love, but she really cares deeply for him, but not in the way that he is desperate for and hopes for. And Soyoung is in turn in love with the king who fucking hates her guts, which sucks for her. <laughs> um, and we kind of get this flashback to what we realize is the night that Soyoung throws herself into this lake. And it's pouring with rain and Byung-in kind of finds Soyoung, you know, so this is the real queen before Bong-hwan turned up. So Byung-in finds Soyoung crying in, you know, just the yard of the house. Like it's pouring with rain and he brings her into like the little kitchen area to try and warm her up. And I love this scene. Like it's so romantic and beautiful and fantastic until much later in the drama when I realized, oh, I don't know if Soyoung was as into it as Byung-in, but my romantic heart just chooses to enjoy the romance of this scene and not worry about this light issue of maybe a dude kissing a lady who was actually a bit sad not really into it but we'll just I'm just going to ignore that that not great element also I'm going to ignore the fact that they're cousins because that's gross <laughs> so anyway um so so young so young's having a cry and I really liked it it's so emotional she's crying about the fact that she feels like she's losing herself that she doesn't feel like she is who she is she doesn't know where she is. And I found this really interesting because we do learn that once Soyoung enters the palace, so this is still before Bong Hwan turns up and takes her over, she her personality changed and she became very mean and very nasty and very angry. And she took out a lot of anger on the servants around her and was potentially not very nice and maybe a little bit cruel. And this is something that Bong Hwan kind of realizes when he turns up. For instance, you know, people like servants might come near him and maybe, I don't know what happened, but like maybe bump into him or something and they would freak out like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get whipped. And Bong Hwan would be like, eh, well, like whatever, I don't care. Um, but it gives us this not very flattering impression of who Soyoung was. But I really like this scene with byung because you kind of realize that this, you know, not nice, mean, horrible, cold, potentially a little bit cruel queen isn't who Soyoung is and isn't who she wants to be. And it's something that's happened when she's entered the palace. She's so isolated, so lonely and so unhappy. And we realize that she's been desperate to enter the palace because she's so in love with the king because I have this, you know, as they, of course they do, a little childhood connection. She's been in love with him since she was like 10 or whatever. Um, but through a misunderstanding, he doesn't realize this is her. He only knows her as a horrible Kim woman from this horrible family. And he wants nothing to do with her. So he's very harsh towards her because he is in love with somebody else. And it completely breaks So Young's heart. And I love the idea that this kind of rejection and the fact that she's locked into this life that is so terrifying to her, suddenly she realizes how alone and isolated she's going to be living the rest of her days just alone in the palace. It's so horrifying that she really becomes something else. And the idea of losing herself is just so frightening to her, which is how Byung-in finds her, you know, bawling her eyes out. 
And it's such a beautiful scene because he he kind of reassures her and he's like, I see you, like I know who you are. You're the same as you've always been. And it's so romantic. And then he kisses her and it's so romantic if you ignore the fact that potentially she didn't kiss him back. I'm not really sure, but also I really liked it and I'm just going to stick with that. <laughs> so I loved this scene. Um, and then as you know, the drama progresses, obviously Byung-in is completely in love with So-young and so after he hears oh she nearly died she fell in a lake but she's okay he rushes to the palace and he comes into her rooms and he's like you know he just thinks this is so young as well and he also thinks like I don't think he realizes that maybe that kiss didn't really go anywhere in the way that he hoped so I think he thinks that she might feel the same way that he does and it's a little bit heartbreaking because he he kind of says to her very tentatively like I've really missed you. And of course, this is Bong Hwan sitting in front of him. And Bong Hwan's like, you know, in his very like eyebrow quirky way, he's like, mm, yeah, I mean, I guess I missed you too. Like, whatever. And poor Byung-un is just like heartbroken, heart crushed. And of course, he's very sure he doesn't know what's going on, but he still loves her. And he's just kind of, you know, he enters the palace. He decides that his dream is basically to protect the queen and look after her and be on her side, even if it's from afar and he can't be with her because so heartbreaking, she's marrying the king. So you can see why I love this character. Byung-in's like just full, like unrequited love, like from afar. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just my thing. That sort of tragedy. <laughs> I would have liked it if it had a happier ending though. Very sad for me. Um, but of course, Byung-in then finds, uh, so there's this whole thing that happens with Bong-hwan kind of rushing out of the palace and uh, King Chol-jong thinks that Bong-hwan has, you know, discovered Chol-jong's secret, which is that he's not a useless idiot. He's in fact like, got some very intense political plans for the future. So Chol Jong thinks that um, Bong Hwan is a spy for the Kim family. And he basically tries to murder Bong Hwan. <laughs> but Byung In turns up and saves uh, the queen, who he, well, he thinks it's the queen and saves her. But then he eventually figures out that it was the king at that moment that tried to kill his lady love. And so Byung In is like gunning hard for King Chol Jong. He hates him and everything he does is against Chol Jong. Um, so I really liked, like, I don't know. I mean, it's not like Byung-in is hugely, hugely a massive thing in the drama, but I don't know. I really, really liked the whole thing with this character. I liked how complicated it was. I liked that I think particularly that I really felt like it was going to go a certain way, which was for most of the drama, I just felt really sorry for him. I thought he was in such an awful situation and he's trying his best to protect the queen who he thinks he needs to protect her from the king. But eventually when he realizes the king and queen are in love, it's like so heartbreaking for him, but he's still trying to help her. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh no, I don't normally do that. Normally I remember. Oh, well, we'll just move on. Byung-in was great, you guys. <laughs> he was wonderful and he was very pretty. Um, but uh, yeah, I really, I think I just liked, I remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I really liked that. I thought he was just going to go full bad. I just kept waiting for it. I'm like, oh, he's just going to go crazy evil because, you know, he thinks he's lost the queen's love and the queen's now clearly fully supporting the king and he's just going to try and murder everybody. And he really teeters on the edge of doing bad stuff, but all the time, everything he does is to help the queen, even when he thinks, you know, he's helping her and really it's not really what she wants or, you know, whatever. So I liked it. I liked that he not, never kind of went as full 
dark as I sort of expected. Like I thought he was going to go full on insane, crazy second male lead kind of stuff. Um, and of course that then leads to kind of Byung-in's whole ending in the drama, which again, I really, really liked. And I found it really surprising and moving. So there's this scene where Byung-hwan is running away from the palace to go and help the king in this big sort of very dramatic thing that happens at the end where the king may or may not be dead somewhere else. So it's very cool and exciting. And obviously Byung-in, you know, he tries to get her as she's leaving the palace and um, Byung-in's like, you, you can't go to the queen. And the queen, so this is Bong-hwan, kind of starts yelling at Byung-in and is like, you say that you're in love with this woman so young, but you're not. You only love this body, this shell. You don't love her, like her soul, because if you loved her soul, you would know that I am not her. Like, didn't you notice how different I am since I woke up from, you know, drowning in the river? And it's so like, it's almost cruel, but it's, it's true, you know, and you just see Byung-in, Oh, you see his heart breaking and also Bong Hun shoots an arrow into his leg, which is a huge shock. But this is the point where Byung-in really realizes that that's true, that this isn't the woman that he loves. Like she's not in there anymore. Someone else is in there and it's so intense. So obviously Byung-in then decides, all right, well, I'm going to go like kill this person who has taken over the body of the woman that I love. And it's really scary. Like you really think that he's going to do it like for real. So I was, I don't know. I didn't want him to go that bad at all. Cause I liked him so much. Um, but it's such an exciting scene. It has that like really cool, like scary danger music. And you really think that Byung-in is going to throw Bong Hwan off a cliff. But in the end, looking at her, He's like, this is still so young and she might still be in there. He believes that she's still in there somewhere. And in the end, he ends up sacrificing his life for her so that, you know, Bong Hwan can run away and survive. And it fucking broke my heart. And I talked about it at length a lot longer than I was meant to. But, you know, you can see where my heart lay in this drama. And, you know, I'm a fucking sucker for these unrequited, tragic loves. Oh, my gosh. So I should move on because I have other stuff to talk about. I'm not only going to talk about Byung-in. Um, so I really loved the romantic entanglements in this drama. This is the next on my list of stuff that I loved. I loved it. I loved how complicated it was. So obviously you've got Bong-hwan in the body of, you know, a woman who is in love with a king. The king hates the body so young but you've also got the king in love with his second wife a low like a kind of a lower status concubine who bong Hwan is like super into and very attracted to this concubine so he's constantly trying to hit on her which is fucking hilarious and then you've got byung in in love with the queen and hating the king and it's Oh, and then you've got the king's older brother, older half-brother, completely in love with, you know, the concubine, Hui Bin. So it's amazingly tangled. And as someone who loves romance, like when I started watching this drama, I was like, how is there going to be a romance in this drama? Like, I don't understand. And then there was just romantic entanglements in every direction. And then you get Bong Hwan making out with Chol Jong all the time. And I was like, oh, there's so much romance in this drama. So I loved it. Absolutely loved all the romantic entanglements. They were great fun. 
Uh, so I've said, and I already talked about, so I'll just mention very briefly, I love the King's plot. I loved that kind of slow character reveal of what's going on with him under the surface. I loved the kind of, oh, just that reveal of his power at this big celebration day and how he kind of, you know, he has this big fight scene with Byung-in and he wins and he shows everyone that he's actually incredibly powerful. And then I love that he blows himself up to kind of like regain power from from the Kim family and kind of indict them in his attempted murder it's all fucking great I loved it so I really enjoyed all that stuff it was really good fun uh so I've just said which I've already talked about I love the humor in the drama I like the Bong Hwan song I loved just all the madness of seeing Bong Hwan get pregnant and stuff was hilarious dancing in the rain like all these like modern hilarious moves and I loved all the food stuff it was really good fun um so I written here I really really loved Bong Hwan's journey of acceptance into his new life and his new role I thought it was really interesting um I thought it was really interesting because the longer that Bong Hwan is there the more he sinks into this as his life you know the more he builds relationships and real true friendships with the people around him and in you know I don't know how other people interpreted this but for me the more he fell in love with the king and sort of stopped fighting it and I do totally think that the reason that he ever thinks of the king in a romantic way at all is because of these leftover memories of this other woman that, you know, these leftover experiences and emotions and memories, like he's just drawn to the king nonstop because his body loved the king, like loved the king so much that, you know, Bong Hwan can't really fight against it. But I do also feel like there is a point in the drama where he stops trying to fight against it. I think for a long time, he really is pushing back on accepting that this is true and that this is how he really feels. And eventually it gets to a point where I think Bong Hwan's like, well, this is how it is. This is how I feel. You know, I'm just going to sink into this. And I liked seeing that kind of progression of Bong Hwan's changes and acceptance of maybe this is how he's going to live the rest of his life. And if it is, then he, he may as well live his life, you know. So I thought that was really fascinating and interesting and I liked it a lot. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I just wanted to mention that I really liked the so Sorina's um, character. So the second female lead. So that's the concubine and second wife of the king. So Hibin. I found her really interesting. One, she was just beautiful to look at. I think I really liked the actress and I thought she was stunning. And I felt very sorry for her in this drama, but I really, really liked, I guess, um, the changes in her character and the, the kind of role that she plays. Once again, the same as the second male lead, Byung-in. I really felt like Huibin was going to go full evil, like crazy batshit second female lead and go crazy and try and kill everybody or something. Um, I really thought that's what her destiny was going to be in this drama. And I really like and felt surprised that that isn't exactly what happened. Um, so I really liked her character kind of changing from this very sweet, innocent, in love young woman to kind of someone who has to deal with the terrifying manipulations of the inner court and the life and death kind of implications of living in this place. Like you have to sharpen up and toughen up and potentially 
become a scary person to live in this kind of place and have any semblance of power or control over your own destiny. And it was very interesting seeing this character Hui Bin wrestling with those aspects. Um, and this is something that Lizzie said to me when we were chatting about this drama, which I really agreed with her. And she said that she liked so much the fact that Hui Bin, like she does go too far. She does some bad shit and it's not likable. You don't like her when she does this, but there's this point where the character decides to pull herself back. And she decides that she doesn't want to be the villain. And so she doesn't become that person that you just think she's on like, you know, you think she's on a train route to going that way. And then she doesn't because she chooses not to. And um, I really, really liked it and really agreed with Lizzie. Like I found that really kind of moving and refreshing and also interesting. I thought it was really cool. Uh, so my very last thing on the stuff I love, this enormous list, heaps of other stuff I loved as well, of course. Um, I loved all the kissing and I loved all the romance and I just didn't expect that stuff to be in this drama and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was really good fun. <laughs> all right. So the stuff that I didn't love quite as much um, is what I'm going to get into next. Okay, so stuff that I didn't love quite as much, but I really want to put a massive like, like caveat, is that the right word? And um, before I say any of this stuff, because I just loved this show. I was addicted to it. I binged it. I loved everything about it. And my feelings, like, you know, my feelings in retrospect about the show, even though I didn't totally love the ending, I just loved the whole thing anyway, and I don't feel like that ruined my experience of it, which is weird. I don't know why it didn't, but it didn't. I thought it was such a good show, and I would, you know, still, like, highly, highly recommend it forever. It's so good. Okay, but I'm still going to talk about this stuff because it's how I felt, and uh, I guess that's the point of my show, maybe. All right, so the first thing that I didn't totally love um, was throughout the drama, I felt extremely sad and sorry for the second female lead, the second wife, Hebin. Um, I just felt so sorry for her. Like, you know, at the beginning of the drama, King Chojong is completely in love with her and he's brought her into the palace because they have an actual, you know, loving relationship. They're in love with each other. And Chojong hates the queen. Um, so he doesn't plan to go near the queen, except maybe, you know, as much as he has to as, you know, for, I guess, you know, children reasons. <laughs> but, you know, he's not really thinking about any of that. He's got eyes for one woman, and that is Hui Bin. But as the drama progresses, Chol Jong begins to just be drawn to the queen and eventually fall in love with the queen, completely and utterly in love with the queen. And more and more... Ah, he just, you know, he falls out of love with Hui Bin, which is, you know, that's not his fault. These things do happen. It's very sad, but that's the way that things happen in the world. But I think the thing that I didn't love is that he doesn't have a conversation with Hui Bin at any point. He never really talks to her about what's going on with him. And I get that. I get it because it's, you know, <laughs> we're talking about the Joseon dynasty. We're also talking about a king with multiple wives. Like by the end of the drama, he has five wives um, because that's what it was like when you were a king of Joseon. You know, you'd have your one proper wife and then you'd have a whole load of concubines. And also, you know, 
all the palace maids and shit, whatever you want, it's all good back then. Um, but as I feel like just as a modern viewer, I felt picky about it. I felt like that wasn't very good of him because I couldn't help but put it, you know, in my modern mindset, I thought of it like, here's this dude and basically he's dating Huibin and then he begins falling in love with the queen, but he doesn't break up with Huibin before he gets with the queen. And I do understand that this is the Joseon dynasty and he doesn't have to do that because that's not how things work back then. And there's no point breaking up with Huibin because she's still his wife, you know, and she's going to be his wife anyway. So um, you know, he never expected her to leave the palace or anything, but I just really wished that he had gone and had a conversation with her at some point, because I felt like it was very, it made me feel really sad for her, the way that she kind of slowly realized that he wasn't in love with her anymore and slowly realized that he was falling in love with this other woman. And there was all these signs all the time, you know, he'd, um, he'd been found the queen's dictionary and, you know, they were supposed to meet all the time or he was supposed to come to her chambers, but he was constantly running after the queen to hang out with the queen, to be with the queen. And it's no one's fault. I mean, it's sort of Chao Jong's fault. <laughs> I felt like he should have just gone and talked to her. He should have said, look, I'm real sorry, but this is what's going on. <laughs> but um, it's an interesting one because I do think that's a very modern like kind of sentiment in the way that I'm viewing those relationships in this very modern sort of dating, you shouldn't cheat sort of way. But at the same time, you know, even though this drama is set in Joseon, it is a drama for a modern audience. So I kind of just would have liked that to be a little bit more clarified just for my own heart, because it just meant I felt so sorry for Huibin and was sort of a little bit on her side. Even when she was doing very bad shit, I'm like, well, yes, you know, <laughs> you should have had a conversation with her and then maybe she wouldn't have tried to kill everybody. But really, she shouldn't have done that. That was really bad. <laughs> I didn't agree with it. I don't condone killing everybody. That's bad behavior, guys. All right. So realistically, my big sort of issue <laughs> with the end. So it was the last episode for me. I just adored this whole show. But the last episode, I just didn't. I guess it isn't what I would have done with the ending. But at the same time, I understand this is probably just going to be a personal taste thing or it's going to be how I engaged with it and related with it. And I'm sure other people have very different opinions. But you know, I tell, I'll tell you guys what I thought. So what I thought was that when Bong Hwan sort of zips back off to the future, this leaves So Young in his place. So up until this point, I had really truly believed that So Young had died, that she drowned in the lake. So I didn't, you know, I was very surprised by this. Um, I really thought Bong Hwan was, you know, I thought he was endgame. I thought this is what was going to happen, that he was just going to stay there forever in this, this woman's body. Um, and I feel like you know, I don't know if I was reading it differently, but to me, I felt like Bong Han had very much so accepted that that was what his future was going to be. And I felt like he'd very much accepted the fact that he was going to have a baby and that he was in love with Chol Jong. And that's just how things were. Like, you know, as Bong Han said a lot in the drama, like it was all in. He threw everything in. This is what was happening to him. And it was weird, weird for him. But he wasn't fighting it anymore because it was how he felt and whether they were, you know, I, I get that there's some of how he felt was echoes from somebody else or, you know, someone else's emotions infiltrating him. 
But I also think it was him as well, you know, I really do. Um, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. So I felt really weird that Bong Hwan zips off to the future and now we've got So Young as the queen. And it turns out that she was fucking in there the whole time watching what was happening, but unable to talk or move her own body. And I was like, that is a fucking nightmare. Like That's the scariest horror movie shit that I can even think of. Like a dude from the future suddenly being inside my body and getting it on with like my love interest. I'd just be like, oh my God, <laughs> so scary. So I did, I was just, I felt weird about that. I felt kind of sad. I was like, oh my gosh, she's just being trapped all this time. Um, and obviously So Young is a different person to how she used to be. Um, she has been impacted by Bong Hwan just as much as Bong Hwan was impacted by her. So presumably, you know, she has soaked up a lot of his emotions and his feelings and his attitude and the way that he is. And we do see that at the end, you know, we get this sort of happy ending and So Young is, you know, she's swearing a lot and she's kind of, you know, very different to maybe how a Joseon woman should be at that time. But at the same time, you very much know Bong Hwan is not there anymore. The way that So Young moves, the way that she, you know, the expressions on her face, the way that she speaks, everything is, there's no Bong Hwan there anymore. Um, and I felt weird that the king is hanging out with So Young. At the very end, we see them together. And one thing you notice about So Young is that she's very, you know, much more, or she speaks like a Joseon woman. She speaks in this very kind of more, you know, very respectful way, I guess. And there's this point where So Young goes to see Chol Jong and they see each other and it's like very romantic and it's really nice and it's the end of the whole drama. And Chol Jong like is hugging her and she speaks to him and he's like, ha ha, you know, what's this? You're speaking up to me. So like she's using not Ban Mal or whatever, which I presume Bong Hwan was, which is like, you know, talking on equal footing. Now So Young, because she She's been trained to since birth is speaking to him very respectfully because he is her husband and her king. And Chol Jong is kind of like, he thinks it's fucking hilarious. He's like, oh, like what surprise are you going to have for me next? And I just had this thing in my head and I was like, no surprises ever. Like, because it's not Bohan anymore. And then when I thought about all the moments that made Chol Jong fall in love with the queen. Like every single thing that happened that made him fall in love with the queen were, you know, particularly I think one of the first moments is when he sees Bong Hwan celebrating and dancing in the rain in a very modern way, which is a very fucking hilarious scene that I really enjoyed. But then, you know, they swap letters. Um, and then every time that Bong Hwan stepped up and helped Chol Jong there was a real meeting of the minds between them and it was Bong Hwan's hilarious, weird, surprising, unexpected attitude and actions that I think made Chol Dong fall in love with this, this woman. It was because of Bong Hwan that he loves So Yong. So I was like, what is their relationship going to be? Like, of course, So Young's very happy. She's in love with him and he's in love with her and they're going to have a baby. But in the future, won't Chol Jong notice that So Young is different? That So Young isn't exactly the same person that he fell in love with? There's just this, it's different. And then 
I can kind of accept that, except I felt sad that Chol Jong never knows that there was someone else there. And the weird thing about it for me, like I think particularly, like maybe I can kind of accept that and just be like, all right, well, this is what the drama is doing. We'll just go with it. But the thing that really stuck out to me was that conversation that Bong Hwan had with the second male lead, Byung In, when Byung In was trying to stop Bong Hwan from, you know, leaving the palace and going off to save Chol Jong. And this is the point which I was talking about at length before, where um, Bong Hwan, like, you know, confronts Byung In and is like, haven't you noticed that I'm not the woman you love? I'm somebody else. There's somebody else in here. And Byung In, uh, sorry, um, Bong Hwan really accuses Byung In of being, you know, bad, basically. Bong Hwan's like, do you only love this shell or do you love who that woman really was, because if you loved who she really, truly was, how have you not noticed that she's no longer here? And I felt like that exact same argument, which the drama really put into the drama, like it really hung a hat on this idea of, do you love the shell or do you love the person, the soul, the personality of this person? Like, what do you love? And obviously Byung-in decides that he loves the soul of this woman, he loves the real Soyoung, not Bong Hwan. He doesn't like Bong Hwan at all. But then when you think about that interaction, then how does that make me feel, I guess, at the very end where you've got King Chol Jong, who's in love with the body of Soyoung, but the soul of Bong Hwan, <laughs> but never really, I mean, if he never notices that she's different and Bong Hwan's gone, then doesn't that make him just as bad as Bong Hwan accused Byung In of being? Of being blind to the fact that that's a body, but the soul of the person that you loved is no longer in there? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too crazy about it. But it look, it doesn't bother me in the way that it was just such a good show. I loved it. It, it made me so happy and I feel so good about it. But I kind of like sat around for a bit scratching my head afterwards. Like not literally because that'd be weird. But <laughs> you know what I mean? I was thinking about it and I was like, Maybe I could have just gone with it, except that I feel like the show really hung a hat on that that issue of of the personality and the soul being different to the shell and who what is it that you love? Do you just love the body or do you love the person themselves? And I thought it was weird to kind of really push into that when it came to the second male lead's undying love for So Young, but not push into it when it comes to our male lead, Chol Jong, and his love for essentially, as far as I can understand, Bong Hwan. Um, I feel like Chol Jong is in love with Bong Hwan. And I also felt kind of weird about the, fuck, uh, the, the fact that Bong Hwan kind of zips back off into the future. And then, you know, it's great for him. He's like, woohoo, my life's much better now because I did the right thing apparently. And, and, you know, ratted out this terrible conspiracy and didn't, you know, he learnt something because he didn't take, you know, he didn't do the corruption and the blackmail thing. He did the right thing. And also, you know, he's alive and he's back in the real world and he looks in a history book and he realizes that Chol Jong did not suffer the fate that the real true life Chol Jong did. And that through Bong Hwan being there in history, he's changed history for the better. But at the same time, and, you know, he's, he's real happy. Bong Hwan's like, ha, life is great. And I was like, but don't you miss, don't you miss your boyfriend Chol Jong? <laughs> like, don't you miss him? And I was like, even if he was very infected by So Young's feelings and love, 
is he no longer now that he's not in her body and he's back in his own? Like, is it? I don't know. I felt kind of sad for him. I felt like Bong Hwan had made friends and made a life and, and, and maybe, I don't know, in my interpretation, kind of fallen in love. And then now he's just in the future and he's by himself. And I thought that was kind of lonely. It kind of made me a bit sad for him. Um, but whatever. Those are, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that is how I felt, though. Sorry, I, I do want to, I said I talked about it. There you go. Um, so I did want to just say, so my friend Lizzie, who I watched this with, she said that her theory, which I thought I'd talk about because I thought it's a good, it's good. Like, and she said, she kind of chose to interpret this and think of it. And she said, she didn't know if it's right. Like <laughs> she kind of uh, agreed with a lot of like, I guess the little issues I had, but she also said, this is how she chooses to read it so that she can still like be thoroughly satisfied by the ending. And I totally get that. And I really like this idea. And that was that, so young was kind of still there and they were a little bit more like melded bong Hwan and so young i think rather than her just being completely gone and it only being like her echoed kind of memories driving bong Hwan, it's kind of like they're both there a little bit more and then they separate at the end and therefore they're both a little bit more like the other when they go back to their separate homes but then that can kind of explain So Young and Chol Jong sort of, you know, still being together. Like, if that makes sense. I hope I explained that right, Lizzie. Sorry. <laughs> I should have got you to record it and do it for me. Um, I'll do that next time. Um, so anyway, that's what I thought. And then the very last thing that it's not that I didn't love it, but it made me laugh when I should have been crying, is that when the second male lead, played by Nayanu, um, so Byung-in, you know, he saves the queen, it's all super dramatic, I was like, oh my gosh, no, and then he gets like stabbed up and he dies, and then he just kind of like, he kneels on the ground and dies in a kneeling position, and I was like, how's he, how's he, how's he doing that, like, <laughs> what's he doing on his knees, and then like, I don't know, fucking two days later, um, I don't know, I can't remember if it's Soyoung or, um, I think it's, yeah, it's Bong Hwan. Bong Hwan turns back up and is like, oh, poor byung And she kneels next to him and she holds his hand and he's there and he's dead. And he's just been fucking kneeling in the woods dead for like two days. And then he has a bit of dirt on his cheek. And I'm like, how did he get this dirt on his cheek? Like, did he fall on his face? And then I don't know, get propped back up onto his knees. Like, it was crazy. And also, I just don't know if that would be logistically possible. I feel like maybe if he had armor on, maybe it would have, like, held his body up. So I don't know why that bothered me so much. But I just thought it was kind of fucking hilarious. But also... His death scene was so sad to me and tragic and I was so like just riveted and emotionally upset. And then the whole thing on his knees happened and I was like, that's very funny. <laughs> so I feel like it just like kind of popped my my balloon, like the tension balloon around his death scene. But that's just me. So there you go. All right. So that's everything that I've got to say um, about Mr. Queen. Um, I'm sure everyone had very different feelings um, around that ending. I don't know. I think it's such an interesting thing. So I don't know if that's a personal taste thing or what, but I feel like every time I watch a body swap drama where there's a romance involved, I always have this same issue. And anyone who's listened to my podcast about Oh My Ghostess, um, that episode where I <laughs> rant on a lot about the ending of Oh My Ghostess, which is basically the same issue. So this could just be a recurring kind of 
kind of issue that I have very particularly with these kind of stories. Um, but personally, I have to say, I would have loved it if Bong Hwan had just stayed um, because I really interpreted it. Obviously, I was wrong in, in my interpretation, but I did interpret it that So Young, the real queen, had had died in the river, which was very, very sad. And it's not that I wanted her to die or anything, but that's what I thought had happened for the whole drama. And I really liked the idea of, you know, I loved that whole thing of seeing Bong Hwan accept who he was and accept the feelings that he has, even though he thinks they're pretty crazy and weird and unexpected. And it's not really how he thought he was going to live his life. And I liked seeing him be excited about realizing he was going to be a mom and kind of just going with it. It was so interesting just seeing him go with this stuff. And I kind of would have just loved him to stay. Um, but also, it's fine that he didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. I think, you know, no matter what, it's worth watching. The whole show is just gold. It's such a gem of a show. I enjoyed it so much and I freaking adored it. Um, but, yeah, I will stop talking now. I promise. <laughs> I'll stop talking about Mr. Queen anyway. <laughs> okay, so now it is time for my random thing of the week. And of course, because I talked about a historical drama, it is history. But I think there's a lot of very, very interesting real life history attached to the story of this drama. Um, but also... I'm feeling pretty lazy and tired after recording such a huge waffle about Mr. Queen <laughs> that I happen to have kind of written out a very short thing um, about just basically King Choljong and his kind of general kind of background, I suppose, and story, which I find completely fascinating. I didn't really know anything about King Choljong before I watched this drama, but I've been learning not much, but a little bit more about kind of... Um, I guess the royal family during that later Joseon period, so more towards the end of the Joseon um, dynasty, really. So um, as you probably know, King Choljong, who is, you know, the main male lead in this drama, he was a real man and his real life story about his ascension to the throne is really, it was very interesting for me. So basically, because Choljong's older half-brother was accused of a conspiracy against the throne, and also he was executed, that's his older half-brother was executed, so Choljong and all his remaining half-brothers were exiled as punishment to a tiny island called Ganghua Island. And I reckon if you've watched any historical dramas, you probably would have come across multiple characters getting exiled, like royal family members getting exiled to Ganghua Island all the time. I'm pretty sure that's where Yoon Shi Yoon's character goes in The Grand Prince, which I did a, a whole episode on recently. I'm pretty sure that's Ganghua Island. Though I could be wrong. Who knows? I can't remember. So, um, so Chol Jong was basically exiled for a crime that he had nothing to do with other than the fact that he was related by blood to the accused criminal. So Chol Jong was, obviously he'd been born as a prince and he was still only a very little boy at this point. So he was exiled to Gangwaha Island. So many years later in 1841, when Chol Jong was now 19 years old, a delegation of officials was sent to Gangwaha Island to tell him he had just been selected as the new king. So the previous king was dead and the officials were basically like trying to go through all the options of extended family members to figure out who would be the best person to place as a king. 
Um, so this is actually that Kim clan. They were very much involved with figuring out who would be the next king. And obviously they meant who would be the most easily controllable next king. So um, I've just got a little bit here that I found online that I'm going to read out because I thought it was very interesting. So these officials are going out to Ganghua Island, um, basically to let this, you know, exiled criminal know that he has now been selected as the next king of Joseon. So the 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 officials arrived onto Ganghua Island and they found the exiled remnants of the royal clan barely surviving in wretched poverty, and in the midst of that degradation, nineteen-year-old Yi Won Bom, who is Choljong becomes King Choljong, was proclaimed king. Though from the start of the Joseon dynasty, Korean kings had given top priority to the education of their sons, Choljong could not even read a single word on the notice delivering congratulations to him on his elevation to the royal throne. So in the drama, we see a lot of imagery of Choljong kind of freaking out because he, you know, he's trying to fight against being a puppet king. Um, he's trying to regain power. And also we see a lot of this stuff where, you know, he's holding books upside down. He's not really reading them and stuff like that. Um, and so in real life, uh, I think people did kind of make fun of Choljong a lot um, because of the fact that he couldn't read. And they said things like, you know, even after being a king for however many years, he still didn't look regal in his, you know, royal robes. He looked like he didn't know how to wear them. He never learnt court manners or court etiquette. So there was a lot of kind of nasty shit, I suppose, said about him. And the drama's obviously taken the idea that, you know, when he was being a country bumpkin in the court, really, it was all an act. And underneath it, he was plotting politically to take down the Kim, the Kim clan. But... In real life, what truly happened is that none of that plotting stuff was realistically true. You know, Choljong did grow up on Ganghua Island. He was never educated. He couldn't read. He certainly had no political connections and he truly was a puppet king. Um, and on top of that, I don't think he was a particularly good king. He was a king. I'm not sure for how long. Uh, I want to say it's just popping into my head like 14 years, but I actually don't know how long. It might have been shorter than that. And in the end, I think that he died unexpectedly as a young man, I think in his early 30s, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's suspected that the Kim family clan were behind his death. Um, and, you know, they were the same people that put him on the throne and eventually obviously decided to get rid of him. So in real life, Choljong didn't have a very nice time. <laughs> but uh, it's a very interesting kind of, I guess, slice of history to pick to build this whole drama around. Um, and I found it very, very interesting. So there you go. That's my random thing of the week. So now it's time for my something I'm loving section for this week. And this week there is a book. Um, I just finished a so it's a young adult fiction I want to say kind of fantasy it's kind of historical fiction but with threads of magic but it is a Camelot retelling um so I loved this book I enjoyed reading this so much um I don't know why it just kind of 
I don't know, it hit my spot. I really enjoyed it. It kind of gave me everything that I wanted right now from a book. I found it a really easy read. The book is called The Guinevere Deception, and it is the first book in a trilogy that's still ongoing, and the trilogy is called The Camelot Rising Trilogy, basically, and it's by an American author called Kirsten White. And the book is called The Guinevere Deception. Um, so it's a retelling of like, you know, Camelot, um, Arthurian legend, and basically like, you know, twisted around just enough to, for me anyway, kind of feel like the stories and all of it was quite fresh. And I really, really liked it. Um, the basically, I was just hooked from the first kind of opening scene and it opens with this young, you know, 16 year old woman who's been taken from a convent. She's surrounded by knights and you realize, oh, she's getting escorted to, you know, the great Camelot to marry the great Arthur. And you, as she's getting escorted, there's all this sort of inner things going on with this young woman and you realize, oh my gosh, like this is Guinevere. This is Guinevere getting escorted to Camelot to get married off to King Arthur. And then at the end of the first chapter, you realize that she's not Guinevere. She's pretending to be Guinevere. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> but um, I just thought it was really well written. Um, there's, It's not like it's definitely like heaps of romance, but it's like very like hooky kind of um, just putting the pieces into place like threads in the first book. And I think um, I'm already into the second book now because I enjoyed it so much. I quickly ran out and bought the second one. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really liked it. I thought the writer did a really good job of um, just writing the story and I found it intriguing and I found it fresh. But, you know, I'm a big fan of I think kind of historical fiction kind of stuff. I, I read a lot of Juliet Marilia who has a lot of books, kind of this kind of myth of fairy tale and, and kind of gritty historical fiction. And her books are all set in ancient Ireland, which I really, really love. So I feel like this was kind of something that was very much to my taste. I like all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, if you do feel like reading, you know, and kind of Camelot retelling, then I really enjoyed this one anyway. It's a young adult fiction book by the author Kirsten White, and it's called The Guinevere Deception. So yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was just really good fun. Really, really good fun book.